All right, well. Hopefully you had a chance to grab, grab some notes there. From the, We'll just spend a, a couple minutes working down. We'll be in, we'll be in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Um, just, just thinking through, we had a great Sunday night last, last week um, with Jackie Fearman, who was with us, and just working through the Leviticus 23 feasts. You know, and what it meant in Judaism and what, what first century Pharisees were rejecting and then um, how it points to Christ. And I know, I know a lot of people are resistant to studying those things, right? To go, to go deeper in their understanding and a lot of times it's like, why? What's, what's the point? Why can't we just talk about God's love, right? What he did on the cross, how he wants to lead our lives, what it means to me, heaven forever, and then move on, right? Sing another course. And why, why is there a need to study and understand the, the, the bigger picture, and the easiest way that, and just even singing, just trying to, to put it out in, in a picture, now I still consider myself a young man. <laughs> I, mean, I think I'm turning 30, 37 or 38 here day after Christmas. But I, I'm, I'm under 40, so I'm coming in that generation, right? And as a young man, you know, I was raised very much that the Bible was more or less for me and about me. Right? It, was, it was to help me feel good or it's helped to lead my life or it was, it was to bring me joy and bring me hope. Um, you know, it, it was about basically about me being me. And for some reason, growing up in that, I realized very quickly that, that if all of a sudden I didn't feel the joy, or I didn't feel the hope, or life started giving me some knocks here or there, right there, all of a sudden the Bible quit working for me, right? My ideas and, and, and my understanding of, of God's love for me there, because it's all about me, quit working. So then through, through a series of poor decisions and walking away from the church and still believing in Jesus, still knowing I answer to God, knowing fully what he did on the cross, I started functioning, me without the Bible, me with resisting the Spirit, and I found myself in the world. And when I was broken enough, right, and I mean, and, and I've shared it before, when I was broken enough to stop, God started showing me that the Bible is not about me. Right? Does that, that make sense? Like, I'm included in those promises, and, and, and God's plan... His program is not about me. And that's when I started getting my feet back underneath me. That's when I started actually realizing that, that God has, and I mean, we just, we just sang songs that keep painting out His program. And I have to come to that program. I have to come to Him His way. It's not, it's not about me. Yes, he comes to me. Yes, he sends people. He sends the word to me. But I have to come to him. 
And it's almost like when I lead my teens, and Doreen had the pleasure of coming in when I was like yelling at, <laughs> trying to get them to line up against the wall. But, but for my teens, when I outline the structure of how the day is going to go, they can find their way in that structure. Right? I don't micromanage them. I don't, I don't come to each one of them and make sure they're feeling okay. Right? When they understand that structure, whenever there's something wrong, what do they do? They come to me. Right? Or whenever some, one of them's acting out, what do they do? I address them. Right? And they find themselves back in that structure. So just maybe recapping that, as we have a deeper or more clear understanding of God's program, the Bible becomes less about me, and it becomes more clear of our place in that. And that's, that's I feel with all my heart, that was God's intention, because we're not perfect people. We're not a perfect church. Christianity, if you study church history at all, <laughs> it is just a mess. But as we study the Word of God, that's where we find the place. That's where we find that structure. That's where we find His plan for our place in His presence. And there's a peace in that. And that's, 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 that's why we, we study and why we lay this out. So I'm going to pray this morning. And we're going to walk through a little bit more of this promise of the Father. And it will be woven in to, to Christmas. Like we have two more Sundays to Christmas. And, and we'll show how connected this program, this structure is. And there, there are some here that have studied at Bible school level and university level, uh, scriptures and whatnot. And some of these truths, I mean, I even put Greek in our notes for this morning. So you could look at that and stimulate some. Some of us, you know, we haven't studied as much. Some of us join us Wednesday and Sunday nights and we're getting a bigger picture. But that's what, it, what my intentions are, to see our place in this. And we'll find a stability in that. So dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning, oh man, we've read already from Malachi. Lord, we, we've, we've looked at the birth of your king. Lord, and what that meant to the people of that time. And, and Lord, just even thinking of our studies together as a church family. Just properly seeing you fulfilling your covenants properly seeing you you put the pieces of your plan for our place in your presence just putting them in order and lord we recognize that in understanding these things we find a stability your spirit leads us in a deeper understanding that leads us to you and lord i pray that you would continue just to raise up a maturing growing assembly lord of believers for you in this church family but lord we also recognize it takes work it takes applying ourselves and and lord i pray that you would give us the desire the alertness to do so and the, the ability to ask good questions and i even pray for this message this morning as we we work through some of these things i pray that this wouldn't just be a spectator sport lord i pray that each of us would be would be attentive and sensitive to what you're presenting this morning. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So this morning, and we're just going to continue, and, and we're Acts chapter 1 is where we'll, we'll start. Acts chapter 1. Uh, and I keep asking that question. Is, is the message 
of the Bible, is the message of scriptures, is the message of the paraclete. Um, we'll get there, John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Is it the same as the church? Is his message, is Christ's message the same as the church? And what happens if it is not? So the promise of the Father, um, the pouring out of the Spirit that we see in Joel chapter 2. And I just want to begin in chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a sound, as of a rushing mighty wind. What was the sound like? A rushing mighty wind. Can you see a sound? No, I don't think so. I think it's just a sound, right? But that is descriptive, okay? Now, the only reason I'm pausing there, because I've read that verse many times in, in earlier years, and I was picturing wind coming through the place and, and hair being blown. I mean, they're the, the, like physical, but it's a sound. It's a roaring, right? I mean, it was, it was distinct. It was heard by all, the, and we'll read that, but it was a sound from heaven, right? So suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, or dwelling, or, or residence. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And we're going to quiet ourselves with that, that verse for a little bit this morning. I have a study note there um, in my New King James Bible, beside divided tongues. It says, then there appeared to them, we come over, or tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each. Okay, so there's some decisions as they're translating there um, with that. So as they're presenting this, okay, they're, they're presenting an appearance as tongues of fire coming down, something that visually can be seen, okay, and it rests on each of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to question a few things in that verse in a moment. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what, what have we read time and time again from Joel chapter 2? And we'll read it again. That God will pour out His Spirit. There'll be a pouring out. Um, and that was prophetically. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Interesting. Do you think that word tongues is the same as tongues in verse 3 in the Greek? I'll have to see. We'll look at it. I'm just trying to highlight some of these things. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? We're going to keep reading, but just asking a question too. Does the word tongues make us uncomfortable? A little bit? Yeah, okay, I'm going to appreciate there the honesty. I mean, we understand that this is, a, this is a truly, it can be a dangerous passage for people that, that begin taking these things out of context, right? I think of the Pentecostal positions, right, where they believe that apostolically they can still speak in tongues. You have to speak in tongues to be saved, right? And we recognize that some things in Acts need to stay in Acts, Right? We're not apostles today, we're ambassadors. 
right? And we're going to work through that, but I'm just trying to get us to observe some things in here. And as I present that word, and it's glossalia, glossolia, um, I present it as languages for ministry, okay? Tongues, languages for ministry. God always uses it. It's an it's a understandable language. It's always for ministry, and it's Yeah, gloss, glossalia or glossae, um, just as we work through that. So language for ministry. Let's keep reading, and we'll see why they were speaking in tongues. A language for ministry is always for God's reason, right? So we've got to keep reading. We wouldn't just stop, stop there. It says in verse 5, as they're speaking other languages for ministry, as the Spirit gave them utterance, uh, I'm going to ask the question, what were they speaking? And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. I'm going to make my way over here, because this is my map that I use as I teach. And if you're interested, all the places are on here. So they're in Jerusalem here, okay? And so every nation under heaven, you're going to see the message that these men are are preaching. Elam, Arabia, um, Armenia. I mean, all up in here, all these different names of places. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound, what was the sound like? Mighty rushing wind. Okay. When the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. So it was intel- they, they could tell they were listening from every nation all over the known world at that time. They could hear the message that these men were speaking. That's crazy. I mean, there's apps now you can get on your phone that translate, but I mean, all of a sudden, everyone, okay, and you're going to count 15 different nations in the next section where they heard the message. What was the message? Okay, yeah, wonderful works of God. I was listening to a Chuck Swindoll message um, with my father-in-law and his new-to-him truck. We were trying to figure out the Bluetooth on it, which was interesting. And he was presenting the very, very same thing, the language, the wonderful works, or the, the amazing, the, the brilliant works of God. Um, startling, I think, was another, like, like just the works of God that's going on. And the only reason I, I, I kind of take hold of that, Aldina, because the wonderful works of God, sometimes the Bible uses the words like, terrible right and he and and peter goes on to to use joel chapter 2 as the wonderful works right there there's that element there it's it's not so much joyful the message that they're preaching has a serious tone to it so let's just read through some of these names and places they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another look are not all these who speak galileans right galilee was a a Roman Roman province in northern Israel. And how is it that we hear each one in our language that we were born? Is this a... Yeah, I mean, is this this them just standing openly going... Is that them doing that? No, it's language, right? They're speaking a message as the Spirit leads them. Parthia and Medes... And Elamites, okay, these are all regions all out here, Roman provinces. 
um, dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia. That takes you all up into here where Paul would later go and minister. Uh, I never get this one. Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. So they're down into Africa, the continent of Africa. Okay, they'd all gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they are wonderful. I just want us to have a serious tone. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? They're hearing whatever this message was that they were preaching as the Spirit gave them utterance, both amazed them, but as well perplexed them. There's that balance. There's There's that, I mean, even as we study Wednesday nights, Everything to do with judgment is always balanced with hope. Right? God's going to purify, but there is a, a promised kingdom that's coming that will be just a harmony and blessing. So as they're listening, they're amazed, but they're perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? I'm sure there might be some here this morning saying the same thing. We can laugh. Verse 13 says, Others mocking said, they are all full of new wine. Right? We're accused them of being drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Peter's going to explain something to them. They'd all just heard whatever this message is in their own language. They heard the sound from heaven, the pouring out of the Spirit. They're hearing the message through the Spirit from heaven, from from Christ Himself through these men. And He says, listen, these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Jackie Fearman explained, the Jewish day starts at 6 a.m., right? It's sun up to sundown. So it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Peter's like, these men are not drunk that are speaking this message. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I've read that many, many times. I've read some different things on it even kind of considered it a little bit, and I was like, well, was Peter confused when he makes this statement? When you read those words, was Peter unsure when he, he's about to speak? When he makes that statement, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Did Peter know what was happening here? And I've worked my way around, and I've put my finger on it. Peter knew what had just taken place. The promise of the Father had just come. The pouring out of the Spirit had just come that God had given the message to prophetically to Joel chapter 2. That is big. 
what these men were speaking, what that nations, all those 15 different nations all around the world from Rome to, to Egypt were hearing was the promise of the Father, the pouring out of the Spirit, and the message of Joel. Christ is returning. Let's keep reading. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, the first sermon of the church. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Right, this is the, the promise of the Father, the pouring out. And then I'll, I'll keep rehearsing that. There's a reason. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your being me personally? He's talking to Israel. Right? These are Jewish men and women, right? right? Joel prophetically looking ahead, Israel, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. They'll be, they'll be looking out at something that's coming, right? And we could get into the definitions, and I know Bev likes that. I mean, there's, there's foretelling the scriptures that you have, and then there's foretelling out in the future of something that's coming, right? We foretell of the foretelling, right? Like, like we have the scriptures of what is coming next. But here in this real time, Israel, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Prophesy of what? What will they be prophesying about? Well, it tells us a couple of verses later. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. How do you, how do you see visions? Okay, sometimes, yeah, yeah, or, or, or sometimes it's dreams, right? But, but you're seeing it. All through the Old Testament, you're seeing. There's an appearance of it. God sends his message through an appearance or a vision. Um, we're going to read, well, I won't keep reading, right? Your old men shall dream dreams. So you have the appearance of, of prophetic what's coming. You have the prophetic judgment that's coming, the prophetic return of Christ that's coming through visions and dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants. I, I shouldn't, that's a rabbit trail. I had one of my teachers talking about how even in church history, how men took a lot of the doctrines and made it about men, right? Rather than, than seeing how God sees it, like even, even the word men, and I don't remember the Hebrew word, but it speaks to humanity, men and women together. And there's a danger there even when you get into church traditions. Right? God, God uses both. There's a structure, there's an inclusion for everyone. And when you get that unbiblically, you have a very one-sided false system that grows out of that and that's just me personally from my readings and stuff but but i mean sons and your daughter speaks to it men servants and maid servants god is at this time using all of them right he's using men and women and on my men servants and on my maid servants i will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy and I, again i ask the question about what what are they prophesying? This promise of the Father, 
that's pouring out of the Spirit, what are they prophesying about? What is coming? Peter says in verse 19, I will, well, Joel says, Peter quoting, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great before the coming and of the great and awesome day of the Lord. The last couple of weeks we've looked at that. Jesus' last message before the Passion Week was Luke 17. The same thing, coming tribulation and his return, wrath. His last, Jesus, King Jesus' last message was his second coming and the tribulation wrath and the first message in the opening of Acts is about the return of Christ and the tribulation and second coming wrath. But what does this verse 21 say? And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? This coming wrath. The message is pretty clear when you, you put those pieces together promise of the Father, the pouring out of the Spirit, and the message of the apostles, right, as Christ is coming back. And it's not going to be good if you do not believe. Us sharing the gospel in the face of that coming wrath needs to become a priority. So just coming to the notes, I'm not going to work through the Greek. That'll be for those that are interested. It's just Greek and English. But I do want to present that as the sound of the rushing wind come through in verse 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The gates of heaven were opened up. There was no mistaking that, that this was coming from the throne room of God where Christ is sitting. This was the time for the... Maybe just turn back a page and look at Acts chapter 1 where they ask, verse 4, where Jesus gives them that instruction. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to part from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This Joel 2 pouring out of the Spirit. This message where they would speak is about the coming tribulation and second coming wrath. Right, the promise of the Father, and you'll see why that's important. But verse 3, I'm going to present that there appeared to them, and you'll notice, maybe I should, now I'll just speak, that idea of appearing to them divided tongues, okay? I'm presenting that it was separating languages. Separating languages about fire. Okay, about the message that was coming because they began speaking it. And that same Greek word of tongues is the same word used in verse 4. And I would say, why would the word mean two different things in the difference of, of two verses? And that's as far as I'll take that. It makes sense to me that the appearance of dreams and visions, these languages that appeared, they saw them, they were separating them because they were going to speak to each one of these nations 
And that message, that promise of the Father was about tribulation and second coming wrath. Why is that important? That's important because I don't hear that coming from pulpits today. I don't hear about the seriousness. I mean, it's all about heaven or hell. And I even watch some of my kids shirk it off because they don't care. But they do care when they're reading verses like Malachi because they're facing it themselves. I can't make the choice for them, but they're facing the truths themselves. I don't hear in Christian circles an understanding that the last message that Jesus spoke before going to the cross was that he's coming back and there are going to be signs and wonders and he's going to deal with Israel and the nations. There's going to be a unprecedented, a real unprecedented time where he deals with sin and rebellion of humanity as a whole. It's going to be a horrific time. And then he's going to come back and judge all of surviving humanity. I don't hear the seriousness of that even in our new songs that we sing and are being written in the contemporary churches. I don't hear that. Backside of the notes, and I think I'll just close with that. The promise of the Father, the pouring out of the Spirit, the seriousness of this message. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm not, I'm not preaching doomsday. I mean, there's all things that we can be thankful for. We have the hope of His return. We have the rapture. We know as we read through the Old Testament texts and we understand Revelation 21, we know what we have to look forward to. But I'm going to say the majority of the people in our lives don't. And that means that we have a responsibility to even simply work through Acts chapter 1 and 2 with our children, our first ministries, in our children's clubs, in our youth groups, from our pulpits, in our conversations with community. We have that responsibility. Promise of the Father pouring out of the Spirit. And I'm going to say, I even have to reread the upper room discourse. Because when Jesus talks about the promise of the Father, it speaks to this, not what many, many churches, much of Christianity has made it, and that's about them promise of the Father. So application, we looked at some technicalities, just a surface scratch. I hope if nothing else you see the seriousness of us leaving the message of, of wrath and his second coming out of our gospel, uh, the, the danger of not understanding or not even caring about the first message, the last message of Christ, and the first message to the assembly, okay? The danger that lies on that. I just put here, why do I need to think about these biblical truths? Forget understanding. Why do I even need to consider? Why, why am I still awake for this? Today, we are not apostles, but we are Christ's ambassadors. Right? I can't heal. I can't raise, raise from the dead. Though the teens think I raised a fish last night that we thought had froze. Um, 
Long story, ask me about it afterwards. Um, we called him Lazarus. <laughs> but but we're, not, we're not apostles. We don't have firsthand witness of Christ, but we are ambassadors. And we hold the truths that these men proclaimed. Right? And that's what they founded the first assemblies of Christ on. And to step away from that even for a moment and say, oh, the, they won't come to church if they hear about wrath. Well, you know what? They're going to face it one way or another. To not address it is to leave them to the, the greater condemnation. Reading it for themselves is the easiest thing. It's in their language. So we're not apostles, we're Christ's ambassadors in obedience. And this isn't for all Christians, right? This is for those that are walking in obedience. I mean, people can say things with their lips and present opinions and, and not even, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, but this is what I think, right? In obedience, as we open the pages of Scripture, we represent Christ with highest authority. Right, as we're leading them, we have the Word of God that is the final authority on all things. When we're walking in obedience, we are ambassadors with that kind of power. We represent with the same means. When I placed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ at the age of five, I received the Holy Spirit. I was regenerated. I was born again, indwelt, adopted, and sealed the same way these men were. Right, that is something to take to the bank when it comes to, okay, what am I called to do? Am I, am I called to put on my pouch and work with a bunch of guys that we just need to talk about where we're reading? Or do I need to go to the streets of Woodstock and share my faith? Either. We are equipped in that same, same way. The same message if you are using the Bible. If you're not using Scripture, if your pastor is standing up teaching about a thought and I, I said the other day, I mean, they've got one verse and a hundred slides. I'm saying that, that they're heading in that different gospel. If we're not explaining what Christ and what the apostles were proclaiming at that time, Christ is coming. He came. He was born in a manger. He died on the cross. That's final. He's never going to do that again. But He's coming back, and it's not going to be good for any that have rejected the gospel. It's not going to be good for Christians that are choosing to live however they want either. And we have the same motive. Christ died for all, but He's going to judge all. And we have to proclaim that. Has this been the message of the church and Christian home in your life? Right? Has this been the message of this church and these Christian homes? Do people walking away from the faith understand the severity and consequences of their accountability to God's King? You know, and COVID's got given a lot of permissions, but it started long before the COVID era. People walking away, do they understand the severity and consequence of when they answer before Christ is King? Do people rejecting clearly understand People rejecting the gospel, they clearly understand that they are choosing wrath. I don't have to tell them that. I just have to show them. They read it for themselves. I mean, it, it, it doesn't 
take much to explain. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, but saved from what? His coming wrath. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for how simple it is, how wonderful it is, how perplexing it is. And again, the deeper we go, the more clear it becomes. Lord, I know and I feel, being a young man growing up in the church, Lord, that there's so much missing from our biblical understanding. And I pray that your spirit would work in our hearts, the, the hearts of, of believers all up and down this valley, that there would be an awakening to how serious our call is, how serious our, our message is. And I pray that each one here this morning would look at their own hearts. Lord, we wouldn't get hung up on history or times past. Lord, we would look at our hearts now and ask the question, is my message the same as the biblical one? Lord, I pray that we would work together at this and we would not try and do these things on our own. Pray for this afternoon. We pray for this evening. Lord, regardless of, of, of what's taking place, I pray that you would bring your people together in a spiritual fellowship, time of, of meeting over food. Lord, a, a meeting to support, encourage, have conversations. Lord, there's so much danger to this idea of the Bible being about me and my faith being my own. Lord, I pray that you would just bless our time together. And I pray these things in your name.